Welcome to another media cast here for the Funkit Pod. Glad you can make it another week in the media. So let's see what happened, what do we have to discuss, and are there any learnings that we can take from it? And still, before we go into, I don't know, NFTs and Clubhouse and whatnot, I need to reflect back into what we did last week and the week before and the week before when we talked about Myanmar and so on because it's still ongoing and it's an issue that I still think is underrepresented in the media. So the coup in Myanmar is still ongoing and the military that's now in charge of the country is suppressing the media more and more and more. It's, um, of course, also suppressing the people. Uh, one of the voices of um, the revolution, the demonstrations against the coup has been shot and died, a 19-year-old student, which, of course, is someone who works in academics with students, is um, really frustrating for me to hear. It's heartbreaking. Um, they even dug out her grave and then pulled her out to, to examine her or whatever. And... Um, in the middle of the night so that even worse now for the for the parents and friends and so on of course and so we have to talk about this and this is not a political podcast obviously uh, but it also relates to media right so what happens in the media in Myanmar right now so lots of media companies in Myanmar that were reporting on all of those things have been stripped of their licenses so there are like at least five outlets that have been stripped of the license. They all vowed to continue reporting the news and so on, which could, of course, get them into lots of trouble. Because if you don't have the license, of course, then the, then the military actually has something in their hands saying, hey, you report without the license, you're not a real journalistic outlet. Then they can uh, prosecute them way easier. Um, they also still raid uh, offices of news outlets just to intimidate them, for example. It's been in the news that it happened a few times to intimidate them, the families and the like. Um, like I said, lots of those outlets that are being targeted by the military, they vow to still keep continuing to report the news and to report everything that's happening. Uh, let's see for how long, because they don't only intimidate, they actually also take action. For example, um, one journalist from who works for the AP, for example, has been detained and he was supposed to be let go, I think this past Friday, if I'm not mistaken, and now they extended uh, his detention. So it's clearly intimidation right there, right? We're intimidating the media. So if you are reporting, if you're a reporter in Myanmar, you always have to be uh, scared of what could happen to you. So just don't do anything. That's, that's kind of like what they're trying right now. Um, the reporter that's in custody right now, and I'm looking at my notes to not get the name wrong, is Tane Saw. I hope I pronounced it correctly. He's uh, 32 and is one of uh, nine media members who was taken into custody during a protest. And they keep holding him in there. Now, what should you be doing? It's a tough question. What can we do with the people that are outside of Myanmar? I mean, I simply assume that you're not supporting any Myanmar products and so on anyways. Because um, this, of course, would hurt the military if the budget's uh, getting smaller and so on. So the pressure is, of course, on like trading partners, the United Nations and the like. But as you know, they don't like to do things. So um, right now, all we can do is probably crossing fingers, spreading awareness as much as I hate the word awareness. Uh, and then just hope that the international pressure amounts to something eventually. Thailand, 
where I'm based right now, right, Thailand, uh, funny enough, they, they urged Myanmar to uh, release all the detained people, <laughs> the detainees. I'm, I'm laughing not at Myanmar or the people that are detained. Uh, my heart is with them. But I'm laughing at the Thailand actually tells Myanmar to uh, release political uh, detainees while in the same breath actually tries to find more prison space for political prisoners in Thailand, <laughs> um, which is rather interesting. And I hope I can say that. So because I mean, it's not an insult or anything. It's in the news that apparently um, the Thai government is looking for more more prison space. Uh, I was looking at the headline here, Thailand seeks more prison space for new political prisoners. So I'm not uh, insulting anyone by saying this, which is just really interesting, I, I believe. And of course, in the same week, you say, hey, Myanmar released those detainees. Nevertheless, while well, it's kind of funny, the orthodoxy here, um, yes, so they definitely should do this. And more, more countries have to come out and actually say that, especially countries next to Myanmar, close to Myanmar here in the ASEAN region. But of course, There's the policy of like, we don't intervene in each other's policies. We just want to trade with each other. Um, but if something like this happens, maybe this has to be put aside and maybe human rights should go first. But as we know, that's not always the case. So please do uh, keep an eye on that. If you want to know more, check out the hashtag what is happening in Myanmar. Um, we also have the hashtag what is happening in Thailand, but right now what is happening in Myanmar. So you see the updates on like what's actually happening because they're still cracking down basically every day and every night on the protests against the coup. All right, what else do we have though? Let's not only talk about um, political media disasters and uh, coups and the like. Uh, one thing that I saw uh, in the media this past week that rubbed me the wrong way a little bit was a thing that one of my favorite comedians actually said, like Andrew Schultz, if you know me and if you've read things by me, I, I quote him a few times or I I said, like, he's a great example of, like, how to use YouTube, for example, to reach an audience and alike, right? Um, and he was on, on the podcast with Megan Kelly. And again, I've got a quote here, so I don't misquote him. He said, great comedians come from times of censorship. They don't come from times of say whatever the fuck you want. They were pushing back against something. There was some sort of institution that the general public didn't like that made their voice uh, valuable. And with... I'm not completely disagreeing with it. So there's something that the general public didn't like and then comedians pointed out and then that's why people gravitate towards them. That is true. That's true with any kind of media, right? Not only comedians. However, saying that um, great comedians come from censorship, if I look around Thailand, Myanmar, North Korea, and I'm exaggerating on purpose here, I hope that's clear, right? I don't see like very famous comedians there. The thing is, I think sometimes what we, and I include myself here, we um, in maybe more Western societies consider as normal might not be normal in other societies or cultures. So as soon as someone interferes with what we believe is our own right, or I don't know, um, we call censorship and things like this. And yes, I, I totally agree with like that platforms such as, I don't know, YouTube or the Washington Post or newspapers, that they are kind of censoring their content. Oh, it's obvious, right? Because they all have their agendas. We talked about this before on the podcast. We will talk about this again on the, on the podcast, that every media outlet follows their agendas. But making it sound like you're, you're living in a super oppressed state, 
um, it's just a little bit too exaggerated, I believe. Uh, so that's that's just. So I'm not disagreeing with the statement per se. I'm just saying. I don't think that many people who haven't lived in a society where censorship actually happens and if you disobey the censorship or you try to say something against the censorship, then you're in real, actual, life-threatening trouble. Uh, I just think that's, that it's not on the same, on the same level, right? <laughs> there are levels to the shit, there are levels to uh, oppression and censorship. And I don't think that maybe American censorship is on the same level as we can see it in some places in, in Asia, for example. Yeah. But again, I mean, from an American point of view, he probably has a good point there. Uh, I'm just always a bit weary when it comes to those general statements of like we're living in an oppressed country and we have to fight the censorship so yeah you have to do something against it and you shouldn't be just there sit there and take it of course and if youtube bans you or instagram shadow bans you again or whatever you should uh, speak out about it but i wouldn't bring it to the same level as uh, censorship that we see here while i'm talking like this I'm, I'm thinking he probably isn't even aware of it and it wasn't a slide towards real oppression it was just something to say about uh the american way of life right now i believe and uh, the, the wokeism and the pc culture probably uh, so andrew schultz if you if you're watching or listening to this uh I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Didn't mean to hate on you. It's just something that's just happening right now here. Like, like I said in Myanmar, for example, and that's just why I'm so, I think, super aware, hyper aware. <laughs> it comes from hyper reality, as you probably know. Hyper aware to all those things when it comes to oppression, censorship, and and so on. I still think you should follow uh, Andrew Schulz and the Flagrant Two podcast because um, it's it's pretty funny. The last, I have a different podcast recommendation today, but last week's podcast of the Fl Flagrant Two. With Alex Jones, <laughs> amazing, uh, crazy, insane. <laughs> watch it, and yeah, like don't only listen, watch it. It's 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 just uh, so they're doing a great, great, great stuff over there. Um, I again just want to quickly talk about like what, what actual censorship might might look like, and that I not necessarily agree that like actual censorship leads to great comedians because. They might not have a long lifespan if they would actually fight actual censorship via comedy. Um, okay, but now let's talk about a few media news. And well, the big ones are added again. Google and Microsoft are going at it on, on several, on several like courts. They play in several courts. They face off in several uh, different courts, actually, in the, in the real court as well. Uh, so one playing field is still Australia, and we talked about this before, right? So that Australia introduced a new bill where Google, Facebook, and the like would have to uh, pay the news publisher for their content, but only under uh, to show their content on Facebook or on uh, Google News or uh, Google Search and so on, but only under certain circumstances. If the publisher has like a reach bigger than and has uh, more, I know return on investment, profit or whatever, then whatever, a certain amount of money. Um, and Google was trying to fight it. Facebook said like, yeah, we just delete all all news content from the Facebook feed for a while, but then they, they reached a settlement or whatever. And now you can see news again on Facebook, I believe Australian news. Google uh, then also eventually came around and said, okay, 
not leaving Australia, we're creating like this new showcase, news showcase kind of thing where then all those news channels will be highlighted. Microsoft, on the other hand, completely like, nah, we support the new bill, we support like content creators or news creators in Australia. We're never gonna threaten to leave Australia. Aussie, 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 oi, 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 basically is what, what Microsoft said. And Google was like, yo man, I mean, yeah, we're not, we're not the best friends, but like this open internet thing that we're running together, right? Open internet dot or inter.net. Like, aren't we in like this open internet thingy together? And Microsoft was like, ah, now man, you're on your own. We, uh, as soon as we have a chance to, to hate on you, we're gonna hate on you. Uh, so that was interesting. And then the, the similar thing happens again now in the US, the congressional hearings, right? Where they wanna introduce a similar bill, I believe. I had, to be fair, I haven't read the bill in detail. Um, I just read the <laughs> summaries of those, of those, uh, of the bill. So I feel like a student right now, one of my students being like, yeah, I don't read all the slides on the, or, or the book. I just read the summary of my friend. Um, so this, this bill has apparently bipartisan uh, support that should be, go into a similar direction that news that the search engines for example had to pay the the, the news creator publisher and there were congressional hearings and again google was like it's not fair and so on and microsoft is like you're on your own mate we are happy with that it looks like microsoft is just like i mean google would have to pay way more than microsoft for example because of course everyone's using google uh, so they're like yeah just take the money from google uh, we, as long as google's heard we're happy uh, kind of thing. Also, was very interesting was that in the that, and I think I have it here somewhere. Um, forgive me if I just look down here. Um, okay, I didn't I didn't actually copy or like wrote down the actual uh, number, but I, I read that in the congressional hearing they mentioned Google I think seventy five times in 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 the statement, while they only mentioned Facebook eight times or something something like that. So it really looks like they're really focusing on Google on on getting the money from Google in this case, and for some reason facebook was just like under the radar a little bit but i mean eventually it's gonna it's gonna affect both what it looks like to me right now like and it's like my personal take here is more like i don't i'm not sure if they really look in at the root of all evil <laughs> don't be evil the former slogan of google i'm not sure if they look at the root of all evil in this case uh why because they're looking into like okay google you would have to pay money or facebook or whatever you have to you have to pay money for this yes uh, okay, take the money from Google. Google doesn't care eventually, right? Um, the thing is, it's not gonna change much. It's gonna redistribute the wealth between Google and the news creator, the news publisher, CNN or whatever, right? Fox, uh, I don't know, Alex Jones, for example, Infowars.com. <laughs> Seriously, check out the podcast with, with, with Andrew Schultz and Alex Jones. Um, so it just redistributes the wealth, which is good for the publisher. I get that, of course, right? But it's not like they're struggling anyways, right? So it's like from one big source, one big player to another big player. Nice. Same thing that's in Australia, right? In my opinion, that does not really help the small publisher, the independent journalist. It helps like News Corp. It helps Rupert Murdoch to get money from Google. So it's like basically Sergey giving Rupert Murdoch the money or the other. So whatever, mm. I think what they should be doing is they should more fo be focusing on the root of the evil. And I try to not say this uh, many, many, that many more times, but it's just fun to include this because, you know, the former slogan of Google was don't be evil, don't do evil, don't be evil. Um, they 
that's they're not run with this anymore that slogan by the way but back to the point so what's the root of all evil it is it is that is basically a monopoly so if you allow companies to become that big or if you have loopholes in there that allow companies to become that big then you will have the problems that you face right now and then just working on like getting money from those companies but let them do what they're doing that makes you richer you in terms of the politicians because i'm sure they get, they get their fair share from it and then of course the media outlets that does not change how the game is played right that doesn't that doesn't change the playing field that much so i think they would have to focus more one last time the root of all evil um, rather than on just accepting the evil and then just playing with the devil and say okay devil uh, we're, we're cool with you playing around here and you're taking like everything that's up for grabs just give us our fair share but that's my opinion I'm, I'm curious to hear um, what you what you think so please do shout out uh, I'll be happy to engage in discussions here because I will discuss this also in some of my uh, media study classes What else do we have? Speaking of Microsoft, Microsoft throwing shade at Google wherever they can. Hey, Microsoft, what about that hack in the UK that, that like exposed 3,000 uh, email? Oh, it says 3,000 email servers remain unsecured. Hmm. So it must be way more than 3,000 email, addre email addresses. So hey, Microsoft, what's up? <laughs> Just saying. So a hack uh, exposed Microsoft email addresses in the UK. So... Go fix it, Microsoft. Go fix it. Um, also, then YouTube uh, deleted 30,000 vaccine misinformation uh, videos, which goes back to the censorship. <laughs> we discussed in that, like, apparently it's so huge that um, it bothers Andrew Schultz. Mm, I'm just saying Andrew Schultz a few times because he's so famous on YouTube. So I hope when I say Andrew Schultz enough times in this video, this video will eventually pop up somewhere uh, where Andrew Schultz fans are watching and they're gonna hate on me. Like, how dare you say something like this? Uh, but this, the point that I'm making right now that I'm trying to make while uh, speaking the German accent and beating around the bush is, is it good or bad? If there's vaccine disinformation out there, it's obviously a bad thing, right? But then again, so disinformation should be not allowed, should be not spread. But then again, if I delete misinformation, isn't it censorship? Shouldn't everybody be making their mind up by themselves when they're looking at disinformation and the like? So, hey, that's stupid what they're saying about a vaccine. I don't believe it. But then maybe we don't have time for that, right? Two-step flow theory in media communications tells us we are looking at, um, at information that comes from a trusted, <laughs> trusted source, an intermediary, so to speak. We don't look at the, the raw information, right? We just... The raw information is being processed by someone that we trust for some reason. Then we look at what they tell us about the information and then we believe them. So that's, that's the two-step flow kind of broken down. And that's a problem, right? Because if that intermediary that you believe in isn't actually or is just misusing your trust, then they might misinform you, right? And this could lead to problems. So now what are we going to do? Delete those videos or don't delete those videos and of course who decides what is misinformation and what isn't right youtube does youtube have have doctors on site and even doctors don't necessarily agree on everything right now right so you can see 
where this is going. This is it's really difficult to decide here, of course, what is wrong, what is right. In this case, of course, YouTube, Twitter, and the like are more left than right. <laughs> and sorry, uh, and of course, um, rather going with the pro-vaccine approach, of course. And again, I'm not saying they shouldn't. It's just difficult to make a call here now. People who say, look, censorship is everywhere. They now will have a point that they can use and make it like, hey, look, they deleted 30,000 videos. It's impossible that 30,000 videos are wrong, right? Hmm, <laughs> maybe not. Uh, so that's, that's really tough. And also I would be um, happy to discuss this in the future to see like what everybody, is, what everybody is thinking because I haven't, and while I usually solve all the world's problems like this, in this case, I don't have a solution just yet. Mm. Except, of course, I mean, I could volunteer to uh, become the ruler of the internet, said said German, said German should rule the internet, and and this would be the perfect <laughs> final solution. <laughs> Did I really say this on camera? Please not. Um, but if you have an idea like how to tackle this problem, please do shout out. I would like to actually uh, discuss this in all uh, seriousness because that's a thing that's been on going on forever and we need to find a way to actually tackle misinformation without then leaning too much, too much, without leaning into censorship. That's it. Uh, now no smooth transition, but just another thing that uh, popped up in my, my news radar was that Tim Berners-Lee, the inventor of the internet, Sir Tim Berners-Lee, um, he said he sees that the digital divide is getting bigger and bigger. And that's just something that he's not happy with. The internet was designed, invented, created to uh, bring people together and he can see like how the digital divide is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so he says that internet access in 2021 should be a basic right for everybody and that everyone should work together on making this a reality. And of course there should be funds allocated and so on. Um, but he says basically internet access should be a basic right. Almost kind of like a basic human right for everybody. And I, cannot agree more i think everybody should have internet access how you make this happen though remains to be seen and why we talk about this right in my head it goes like oh i connect like all the dots that we talked about so far and it's just like okay let's just assume who who gives the internet access to everybody the government will the government spend money on making internet accessible for everybody Probably not. I mean, it would be cool if they would, but probably not. Or maybe they will subsidize something. They will help if like as a company saying, hey, we can do that, but we need some help from the government. They might like then subsidize those those companies, right? So could be AT&T, could be, could be Elon Musk, could be Tesla, because he wants to have the satellites up there that, that uh, I know, give everybody access to Wi-Fi anyways, right? But if those companies do that, who tells us that all the content will be available. Net neutrality, who tells us that net neutrality will be a thing and maybe they would censor different kind of content in different areas again, right? Otherwise, they might not be granted access, for example. Whew. Conspiracy theories incoming in three, two, one. Actually, telecommunication companies run the world. That's not actually a conspiracy, conspiracy theory, that's actually... <laughs> They're definitely in there, right? With the, in, in like who runs the world? Telecommunication companies, because they could just block different kind of content. They could make other kind of content faster, slower, like, you know, the deal with net neutrality and so on. So, hmm, 
So if, if there's internet access for everybody, who would provide it? Who would regulate it? Huh. Shout out. Comments, emails, anything. Today's topics, really, I, I would love to discuss those in more detail with like in the comments or wherever on social media. I will discuss it in, in classes as well and then hopefully can, can come back to everyone listening or watching here who's interested in it because I think those are actual questions that really matter for like where we are going in the future. What also matters in regards to where we're going in the future <laughs> are NFTs. And I'm sure over this past week you heard about NFTs, uh, non fun now the German is struggling with the pronunciation, non-fungible tokens, fungible, fungible, Funkable. There should be non-funkable tokens. Here on the Funkit podcast, we call it non-funkable tokens. I should, I should have NFTs, non-funkable tokens, just for the Funkit pod. <sighs> Potential. So, but you heard about NFTs probably this past week because uh, I think, what's his name? Beeple. And please uh, excuse if I'm, forgive me if I'm mistaken here. Uh, sold a painting, sold an NFT for a painting for $69 million on Christie's, which kind of makes it legit, right? If you're on Christie's, an art piece uh, being auctioned off on Christie's, then you're kind of legit. So it's a digital artist who sold his artwork, 5,000 first days, I believe it's called. Um, so it's he, for 5,000 days, he, create, he creates a picture every day and then he created like, like a collage out of those pictures of the 5,000 first ones. And now he sold it, the NFT for this picture for $69 million. So now the question, of course, is what are NFTs? And there are lots of videos out there that explain NFTs with like animations and stuff much better than I do. Uh, what I can say, however, is look into NFTs. It's really, really interesting um, how they run. They run on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, but I think other blockchain uh, types also have the potential to include uh, or to run NFTs as far as, as I understood that. Um, but right now Ethereum is the, way, is the way to go. So then you can bid and on those different kind of NFTs that are out there. For example, Jack Dorsey sold an NFT for his original tweet, like setting up my Twitter. Um, I think it's, I forgot for how much money it, it's out of several million, I believe too. Um, so that's really interesting. Again, I'm not going to explain what NFTs are, just telling you those, the development is really interesting. And I had a discussion with a friend of mine the other day who's an artist actually, but more like an old school artist who's actually like painting in real life. And he said, he's not sure if the NFTs stick around. And I'm, I told him, I'm sure it's going to stick around for, for several reasons. But one reason being that right now, of course, it's all about cryptocurrencies, cryptos and so on, NFTs runs on blockchain so it's kind of related and people are all about it also it's rather easy to do it's secure <laughs> if you don't take into consideration that i could just download the picture that you just put, bought an nft for um but it's really interesting and i think it's going to be stick around just because of what i said right now and because it seems to be a trend and that everybody's getting into uh also i saw a video on nfts and I tried to link it on YouTube and on, on, on the podcast page as well. Uh, I think by Whiteboard Finance, I believe it's the name of the channel. Check it out, Whiteboard Finance. And he explained uh, NFTs. It's a nice explainer video. Actually, he only read an article from Coinbase, to be honest. So check out the Coinbase article on what are NFTs. But he then said, in his opinion, he thinks that also lots of money that's in NFTs right now is simply uh, money laundry. And I'm, while he said it, I'm, like, my light bulb went up. I'm like, yeah, of course. You get money in a 
whatever way you get it, or in this case, cryptocurrency, then you pump it into digital artwork and then you later you sell the artwork again and then you have clean money. That's just like traditional money laundry, right? You have your mafia money because we all know how it work, how it goes. We all have our mafia money. Then you buy some art and then later you sell the art again and then you have you cleaned your money. So, huh. so if you are a criminal that is doing money laundry via NFTs, let me know. I promise I'm not going to expose you. I'm just curious. So uh, please do shout out there. Again, look into NFTs. Cool stuff, I believe. Uh, very interesting stuff. Uh, if you own the cyberpunk or crypto kittens, kittens or anything, do shout out. I want to talk to you. Um, I might also start selling NFTs for, I know the monkeys here behind me. I'm not sure yet. Uh, so please, uh, yeah, I would be, it would be cool to talk to someone. We could also have like a live discussion on the podcast. Uh, about like NFTs and how all those things the, those things work. Uh, I read another article that said like digital trading cards, for example, of course, are also a thing. We know that and maybe why NFTs, they would be even more unique, right? Because it's only NFTs means there's only one piece of that, like very specific piece of that. Um, in the explainer video, they expl or in the article, they compare it to um, festival tickets. So the festival tickets are like very unique because while you can go to the same festival, this, this one ticket is just for you. It has like a specific number on there and your name and so on. Uh, so this is, so then digital trading cards, any digital, I would even say commodity that you want to trade or online. Um, yeah, you can have NFTs. NFTs for this. While I'm talking about this, like all the light bulbs are going up right now. After I finish this podcast, I'm going to start looking into how to create NFTs for, I don't know, everything. <laughs> If I'm not coming back next week, you know what happened. The NFT thing uh, took off. Speaking of NFTs and uh, Jack Dorsey and Twitter, Twitter came out with like a few announcements over the past few weeks. And I think I haven't mentioned all of them. So I'm just going to say it. Twitter is trying to really look to really like, I know, add more, replay, not replace, but maybe battle, getting battle ready to take on Clubhouse and TikTok and whatnot. Yeah, we know that they have fleets already, like which is kind of like moments. Uh, then now they announced Twitter Spaces back then. And it's in, in beta, still not in there, Twitter, what's up? Uh, Twitter Spaces, which is similar to Clubhouse, like voice chat only. And then they actually acquired Review, which is a newsletter, like service similar to like Substack, if you're familiar with Substack. And, and we talked about the super follows that they announced, uh, I think, two weeks ago or so. So it's been a long time that Twitter didn't seem to change anything. I'm like, no, we've found our, our flow and we keep it like this. And now they seem to change quite a lot because they realize, hey, there's a, lots of competition, but lots of potential also out there in, in other markets. So that's going to be uh, interesting, I believe. Uh, what else do we have? We're almost there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Elon Musk got sued again. I uh, got sued by an investor. The investor claims that his Elon Musk tweets again violate the SEC settlements. Remember 2018 when he was like, I'm going to take Tesla private. I've secured like funding and we're going to pay out everybody and we're going to take Tesla private because I don't like people telling me what to do and so on. And they settle afterwards. And he said like, okay, he will try to get his tweets approved or something like this. Uh, and now this investor said that the tweets that Elon Musk is sending right now, again, are, I don't know, putting Tesla in jeopardy or, or, or whatnot. So he's being sued again. Now, while I understand that investors might be a bit critical of Elon Musk when he has like his erratic tweeting things happening, I'm not sure if it really helps his stock price if you as an investor 
sue the guy who runs the company that you invested in. That only makes sense, of course, if you have plans to replace him with, I don't know, your favorite candidate or whatever. But if you would replace it or if you would take Elon Musk away from Tesla, would Tesla still be Tesla? Is the question. Yeah. That's like when Apple tried to get rid of Steve Jobs for a bit, right? And Apple wasn't really Apple. So I don't think that that that, that makes sense because Elon Musk is Tesla. And if he's gone, I think Tesla loses lots of its appeal, to be quite, to be quite honest. Uh, but we have to see where this goes. Also in the news, we saw that there's more GameStop things are happening. It's not, it wasn't a one-off with the GameStop saga and the stock price and so on. Now GameStop has a new... I should have written it down. They have like someone now on the board that is helping their digital transformation. So they actually try to digitally transform now and make things happen. Um, which then in return lets people to believe, hey, investing in GameStop might still be a good idea because they're changing things around. And so people invest in it. Um, then lots of dump money. That's how like I think Wall Street calls it. Lots of hobby investors, average Joes invest in GameStop because they still think it might be a good idea. Because not, And then slowly it keeps climbing. Then hedge funds say, hey, look, <laughs> it's climbing. Those The dump money people throw money at uh at GameStop, maybe we should also just throw money at GameStop, pump it up so that we get like a higher return, and GameStop can just be happy about this for for now. Let's see how long this 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 goes on, right? Uh, so follow Wall Street bets on on Reddit if you want to be updated here. Bit of a sad news that also happened this past week: um, the inventor, founder, um, or ne- or lead developer of GTA Grand Theft Auto. Gordon Hall died at age 51. Uh, rest in peace here. GTA, the original GTA, GTA 1, basically, was one of the first games that, that I bought for my own money. Uh, I remember back then I was reading like PC magazines, like on print. That was like a thing when you were like a nerdy kid and didn't have any friends. You sit at home and you read like PC magazines. And they sometimes had like a CD with it and there was like free games on there and stuff. And then you had like those ads in there. Then like people like want to swap uh, games or game shops just advertising like hey hi promotion and stuff like this and gta was the first game ever that i actually spent my hard-earned allowance money on back then um i don't remember how much it was was it it was really expensive. It was really it was my first real real game that I bought um, that I didn't download or get from friends or something. Uh, so uh, well, great memories uh, with, with GTA back then. Still, of course. So uh, rest in peace, um, Gordon Hall. Thanks for the memories. Like GTA ruled. Um, yeah. Two more things. Uh, I read an article and then I will go into detail next time because I'm going to ask one of my classes this too. Uh, I read an article on digital clothes. If like digital clothes um, could change the, the fashion industry, like make it more sustainable, uh, move away from fast fashion maybe and so on. So it's uh, an interesting thought. Why? Not of, I think the BBC also tweeted something about it. I, I haven't read it to be honest. Um, so more outlets jumping on this right now. I think it's interesting for several reasons because we see lots of artificial AI influencers like becoming successful right now. And so, of course, if then your brand has digital clothes for this AI influencer, right? It's basically just like real influencers with real clothes, but you don't have to create those real clothes. You can just send them to the AI influencer. So it's all digital. Huh. 
insanity, right? Crazy. Uh, we will talk about why those AI influencers actually work uh, in a later later podcast. Uh, I'm still hoping to get like a guest on to talk about this in this regard. So uh, I hope we can do this soon. But that's a very, very interesting, weird, freaky, interesting uh, area to discuss, I believe, why virtual influencers actually work, for example. Okay, I think that's about it. That's almost all the things I wanted to discuss in this week's podcast. Uh, some serious, some fun, um, something in between. At the end, I always give like a YouTube recommendation or a podcast recommendation. And this week, it's a podcast recommendation. It's a re recommendation of a podcast that I listen to a lot, but then sometimes I just have enough of it because I can't listen to them anymore. But usually, I always come back around at some point uh, anyways. And it's not an underground, like low-key podcast. It's a very famous one. It's Jordan Peterson's podcast. So if you haven't subscribed yet uh, or checked it out, check out Jordan Peterson, uh, his podcast, Uh, sometimes, to be quite honest, it's hard to listen to him for two hours or even more. And he calls him he hates on postmodernism and all, all those things all the time. But I mean, he usually makes a good points. I don't agree with everything that he says, obviously, but that's just how life is. The last podcast I listened to, however, was him, and that's why I recommended him and God Saad. And it's basically two hours of hating on postmodernism. Uh, again, not agreeing with everything they're saying, but they're making some very good points. And it was just very interesting to hear them going through different examples and explaining why they think postmodernism, the Vogue culture, the PC culture, and so on are bad. Gatsad, the reason why he was on a Gatsad, um, I'm. I'm guessing some of you are familiar with him if not check him out on youtube also great interview with joe rogan um by the way where he was on i think two or three times already so gaza is also a professor when i believe media related as well and he wrote a book called the parasitic mind and i think he, in this book he goes into detail and in explaining um or exploring how the pc political correctness approach the woke culture the po postmodernist approach to life basically ruins our culture society and the like and i don't want to take away too much i think you should check out the podcast or maybe even the book because it's really interesting those thoughts and i think they make some good examples there where you can follow along with why they say what they are saying again you don't have to agree with everything that they are saying and just like you don't have to agree with like everything that postman is, is, is saying um, i have a video up here um and a podcast on the ch on, on the channel wherever you're listening or watching explaining what Baudria thought for example about how media and society works all about postmodernist approach yeah I'd, I'm not saying you should agree with either of them completely you should listen to those different sites and then obviously make up your own mind again I find this very stimulating what, what uh, Peterson and Saad are talking about there so I can only recommend it and if you check it out uh, please then feel free to come back and have a discussion here with me and with the others that are listening watching or whatever um, because i think it's still it's so difficult to say like where we at exactly especially right now with all those things that are happening in the media and technology and society uh, it's in a constant flux obviously and i think it's very exciting uh, very exciting times and If you talk about it, it probably makes it easy to understand and to really see your place and in, in the, the big the big scheme of things. So if you want to discuss life, society, postmodernism, why postmodernism is, is, is BS, wokeness, PC, uh, NFTs, anything, uh, sh shout out in the comments via mail, via social media, Twitter, 
at Save Fun, uh, Instagram, at AJSasha, um, or at FunkitPod, of course. Uh, just shout out, and I'm looking forward to all those discussions. I think that's it for now for this week from the MediaCast. Uh, on the channel, we'll be back on Monday with the MMA Monday, then Wrestling Wednesday, and then again the MediaCast. And actually, there are also a few interviews coming up. They're already being edited, so stay tuned for this. Should be some fun days ahead on the FunkitPod, and thanks for tuning in. You're awesome. Take care. See you soon. Godspeed. God bless. Everything that works for you. <laughs> See you next time.